0: Hello and welcome back to Off the Water, the podcast brought to you from the National Governing Body of Boating, RYA Scotland. So we've been off the airwaves and on the real waves over the summer as we get back into activities we love. So it's great to be catching up and sharing some of those stories with you again on Off the Water this winter. Robin Phillips is the co-host in this episode, who has probably done the most sailing this summer. How are you getting on, Robin? How was summer for you?
1: Hi, uh, it's great to be on the pod again. Uh, summer was great, uh, really busy with lots of cruising adventures on yachts, uh, some racing, a pretty competitive 707 nationals, and lots of time coaching and
0: instructing too. Fantastic. I managed to enjoy a bit of west coast cruising, a wee bit of racing and some catamaran adventures. They were quite adventurous. But here we are as winter is really rolling in. Some storms up your way and cosy evenings reminiscing about such adventures seems apt and and we caught up, caught wind of a recent adventure that some of the young people near you, Robin, at Aberdeen and Stonehaven Yacht Club undertook. We thought it would be great to find out more, well Robin did, as she was able to meet some of those who took their first steps into dinghy cruising. Can you tell us a bit more?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to bring this story to you. As an instructor, um, I've worked with some of these young people, and it's great to see them challenge themselves to experience new things. And the story resonated with me for that reason. And personally, I've always liked a good adventure, kind of camping and the great outdoors as well. And linking this to sailing is the cherry on top for an adventure. And so I was keen to go hang out with them and find out more. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Uh, With many people having been locked behind a screen for the last 18 months, this cruising adventure saw collaboration between three different sailing clubs, a unique Duke of Edinburgh expedition, and a chance for the young people to experience a new challenge was really something special. So you did great capturing this and you really get a sense of this in your conversation.
1: Yep, settle in with a cup of tea and some cake as we find out about the highs and lows of the dinghy trip up the River Tay. This episode of Off the Water finds us seated in the clubhouse at Aberdeen and Stonehaven Yacht Club um, with a group of young people who have done some dinghy cruising recently for their Duke of Edinburgh expedition. So I thought this was a really useful opportunity to chat to the team at the club and find out how the expedition went, get all the stories from it and for other clubs to be able to hear about what, what went on there and any lessons that they can learn as to how to kind of go for some adventures in some pretty small boats. Um, so we'll go around the room with who sure we've got here um, today. Um, yeah, Shona, do you want to start us?
2: Hi, I'm Shona, I'm 17 and my favourite thing about sailing is probably the freedom you get when you're just sailing along in the waves and you can go as fast
3: as you like. Right, hi, I'm Ditta, I'm the Commodore of the Sailing Club, so I'm not a youngster, I'm 57. <laughs> Um, and um, I was involved with the expedition um, because um, I did a lot of the coaching over the winter um, and because actually that trip had been on my bucket list for years.
4: (laughs) I'm Sam, I've just turned 15. Um, I really like sailing because you can always feel yourself improving
5: and it's never the same when you're on the water. I'm Leo, 14, and I enjoy the social scene of sailing, hearing what other people enjoy doing on the water.
6: Hi, I'm Daniel, I just turned 15, um, I just really enjoy going out on the water, meeting new people and getting to go around like, yeah, go around Scotland and have fun.
1: Amazing, so this is a, a few of the team um, that did this expedition, I believe there was a a team of nine you was it in total? Yeah, um, that went on the expedition. Um, a lot of these sailors also um, take part in um, various other activities at the club as well, um, but the focus today is going to be on the expedition that they did. Uh, three of the group used it for their bronze DOV expedition, um, which is a pretty unusual thing in itself, around <laughs> kind of 90% of Duke of Edinburgh expeditions as you can imagine are kind of walking based, some are paddle sports based, some people do them on horseback, Um, but a dinghy cruising one like this is a pretty exciting and a pretty rare thing at the moment. Um, So yeah, Shona, when did um, all the planning for this kind of start, what boats did you have and where did you go to and from for this?
2: I think we started planning it back in 2020, like at the, just before lockdown, because we'd Yeah, we went down to Dundee to see their wayfarers and get to know the club. They were were really nice and welcoming. Um, Took two Laser 2000s and a Stratos, which we thought would be good because they're stable and um, you can reef the sails, which was really useful in the end for us because it was really windy the first day. Without
1: that, we probably wouldn't have been able to go. Boat decisions sound pretty sensible. How are you? kind of feeling beforehand? Did it seem like it was going to be a big challenge? Or? I felt it felt quite
2: interesting, we all like packing all our things, trying to fit them in a small bag so we could get them in there, taking a little dry bag, so yeah, it was a proper expedition, we weren't just going for a little sail, we knew we were going to stay in the night and prepping for that.
1: Did it seem like a big distance that you were thinking of sailing and where where did the expedition go to and from?
2: It didn't really feel too long at to the start but when we first got in the water and then we realised how long it was going to be sailing so from from Dundee to Perth? And yeah, you um, like you could see points in the distance, and it took so long to get there because the river was quite narrow further up. So we had to do a lot of zigzagging, tacking up the river, so we didn't hit the banks. There's a lot of sandbanks as well.
1: Yeah. I know as a group, you did a lot of work beforehand. It wasn't just the kind of rock up and uh, go for a sail. Um, as shown, as alluded to, there's of some navigation to think about and things like that. Um, what things did you do um, in the lead-up to going on this expedition to help you be as prepared as you could be?
5: Uh, on the weekend before we met up together to go over what we needed to do to go to Perth, well, Dundee to Perth and um, we split into three groups so we made a quiz for Dundee Sailing Club and then we made a group where packing lists for people to bring food for the barbecue that we had, uh, sleeping equipment, uh, just things to bring on the water like snacks and food, hydrated. Yeah, and then, so
1: big days on the water was it? Yeah, yeah.
5: and then the other group was uh, passage, pla- passage planning and so we estimated the time and how, lo- how many miles it travelled. Do you remember
1: off the top of your head what the distances were for? Well, three I, think it was
5: I think it
1: was eighteen nautical miles. So eighteen there,
4: eighteen back. Which we worked out to be about—I can't even remember how many hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know what
1: the reality yeah. of how many hours in the water it was. Um, a lot, Do you think it six and a half hours yeah. in
3: total each way?
1: Do you think the packing lists uh, helped? Were there any kind of essential items that you'd recommend again if you're kind of doing the trip again? What things would you keep in the kit list?
5: Uh, for keeping in the kit list, probably like dry clothes so you got there and were warm to okay. relax on the night. Yeah. Um, just things that you enjoy, like if you wanted to handle like cakes or something that you enjoyed, probably do that as well.
1: What bit of kit? Um, do you think, kind of,
5: gave the biggest mood boost? Um, probably just... Sweets or something, just something to keep the sugar energy yeah. levels up.
1: Are there any snacks of choice on board your boat? We had a lot of brownies on ours,
2: everyone oh, enjoyed
1: those. Nice.
2: It
4: would have been quite nice to have something you can slip into your buoyancy aid, because yeah. then you don't have to Especially unscrew the rope lockers. Yeah which That's meant that we ended up not actually eating anything. <laughs> yeah, the first day we didn't really get to eat much, just kind of... Packed water. So I, ended, I tried. Like, it was nice at the end point. of the day to get off the water yeah, and suddenly yeah. have the day's worth of food. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it was quite breezy
1: on that, that first day, kind of had to think about reefings and things like that. What was the kind of timings and challenges from that first day?
4: We I mean, you knew it going to be quite difficult Kind of from when we started looking at the forecast because it was a headwind and it was pretty heavy headwinds all the way up to Perth. Um,
1: How windy would you say it was? About. <laughs> it was a force 4 to force <laughs> 5, yeah. but the real
3: problem was actually the was it was absolutely dead on the nose. Yeah, yeah okay. so and, so was, we and, and Kirsten of, of Dundee Sailing was actually quite worried, it was she, to start off with? Cause the
4: tide we we were following the tide so we could get all the way up so that was obviously perfect headwind against strong fast tide so we were worried in fact that it was actually gonna be the waves that would end up Mm -hmm. stopping us Um, they did end up building up quite big Uh, we didn't sail through the worst of it uh, but when Dita fetched the rowing boat I think there were massive standing waves built up quite a bit by then So you mentioned
1: you were trying to plan kind of using the tide to help you. What did that mean for the kind of timings of your first day?
4: Uh, We got there very early because we had to pull one rib and three boats all the way along a tow path because there was a railway line at the back and it got quite complex. Um, But we got there very early Um, and then we were kind of... Hoping the wind would start dying down a little bit. So we were waiting at the clubhouse, umming and eyeing over whether we could go and how far we would go. We knew that if we got out, um, we could try to get to Newburgh. And then, obviously, if the weather was fine, we could keep going all the way to Perth. Um, And if not, we could have gone the halfway, half the distance, which would take us to Newburgh. And then stop in Newburgh had offered us a place to stay if we really needed it.
1: Ah, oh, okay, so you had a kind of plan Back B option up, for the um, for the camping and yeah, how how were you all feeling on that that fresh morning when you presumably had a look at the weather beforehand and so much apprehension or were you kind yeah. of excited for a windy sail?
4: Yeah. It wasn't nice getting into the wetsuits though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was quite exciting to finally do it after delaying it for a year, having planned it for half a year, so it was, it was two years old, wasn't yeah. it, in planning, and to kind of get the boats done, slip way into the water and be like, okay, now we're on it, we've are on yeah. we got we to do it
1: now. Um, was there a point on that first day where you thought it might not be possible if the wind had built, or were you pretty confident that, how are you feeling, were you confident you were going to make at least the plan B destination?
4: I think at the start when we first got there we were pretty worried we weren't going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. It was pretty close but we, won- when we went we went a little bit late so we knew we had to make sure we were kind of either now or never because if you miss the tide then you're battling the tide mm-hmm. and the river which is quite difficult and a headwind. Yeah. So we knew we had to make absolutely sure we were in good time.
1: So any big learnings or any particular teamwork that made that kind of work, do you think, on that first day? It does sound like a tough one.
4: Make sure you reef if you think you've got to. There's <laughs> yeah. no point in That's trying to go race, fast yeah. when you're cruising.
1: Cool. And um, So I think we're right in understanding you did make your intended
4: destination did, to Perth. With only a pair of capsizes, both from the <laughs> same boat. <laughs> Not a stable
2: boat.
4: Yeah, it was a very stable boat. It's just unfortunate, and we had our boat had um, a problem with the reefing system. We'd reefed it wrong, so it was kept coming undone. Just in the very narrow bit, only a couple of miles from Perth, there. So Ditta kindly towed us the last mile or so. Yeah, because
1: nice. yeah, you were set up with a support rib from Avenue and Stonehaven as well. Is that yeah, right? so yeah.
4: Ditta was following us, kind of darting from the back to the front and then kind of sticking with us at the back, we needed quite a lot of help.
1: So it must have been a, a good feeling to, to Perth Sailing Club. What was the set up for the evening like?
5: Um, so once everyone got there, the, we helped Perth pull up some boats onto the beach or a bit of land just so they wouldn't go away and then we anchored our boats and took down the meteors so they wouldn't go away. And then uh, I realised she had to go back for the skiff that was still at Newspurum, uh, Newspurum. And then, so while she was doing that, we were all setting up our tents. Like, I was with Daniel, so it took a while, because I haven't done it before. <laughs> so um, so that took a wee while. So then the barbecue and fire pit was getting set up, like a vegan option and meat option. So, um, yeah. Uh, people started cooking on that while we were still sitting on the tent and um, they eventually got back when uh, most people started finishing off their cooking um, which is pretty nice.
1: Sounds like there was a lot of communication between the three sailing clubs that Dundee obviously did that training weekend yeah. for you guys because they do a lot of cruising kind of right in the planning phases and then obviously Perth were welcoming and communicating with you guys and that was reciprocated in going to assist the rowers back once the waves and chop had built up a bit I'm assuming. Um, yeah. How did you find camping with sort of wet wetsuits and things like that? Um, Any particular tips to make it as variable as it can be? Or?
5: Well, we put the wetsuits into the changing room because they luckily had some that we could put in. Nice. We uh, ringed out the wetsuits so they wouldn't be dry. Well they would be fine.
1: Yeah. But well, as dry as they can get. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah
2: so that cool. <laughs> I took a spare wetsuit which was definitely a <laughs> nice, <was>. nice dry <laughs> one to next stop day.
1: Reckoned. Oh awesome.
6: Yeah then Nathan pulled his wetsuit up to the top of the mast <laughs> and let it just flat for the top to try to dry it.
1: Who who's do you reckon was the better
6: strategy for a dry-wet suit
5: the next day? <laughs> Probably just taking a spare. Nathan had to jump into the water to get it, didn't he? Because yeah. the boat was
4: semi-floating, so he ended up getting his dry clothes wet anyway. So <laughs> it didn't really <laughs>
1: work. <laughs> 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 he said he just wore He had like a different outfit for the
6: yeah. next day anyway, so he... And
1: was the food good, I guess, sir. It was well-needed by the time you got to the dinner time,
5: Yeah, lots of people yeah. brought burgers and sausages and vegan, yeah. vegetarian options, which were very good. And someone from Perth brought a, or Dundee brought a steak to enjoy, <laughs> which took a while to cook as well.
1: <laughs> were people kind of up and chatting for long yeah. that Saturday night, or was everybody fairly tired from the day? Well, or some it?
5: people stayed up uh, just to sit around the fire and just talk about what through the day and stuff. Okay,
3: hang, hang on a minute, guys. I we was in bed for ten <laughs> <the> past nine. <laughs> 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 it was dark. <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> yeah, like dark.
5: Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there is a certain magic to camping outside in that sense. And it does feel like as soon as it gets dark, you do have that sort of late evening feeling and there's something quite nice, I imagine, about crawling into the tent after... <laughs> a very tough first day of lots of upwind sailing, so, yeah. Um, Do you have any favourite memories standing from the camping evening? I
6: mean, just everyone sitting around the fire, playing music, and, yeah, it was just nice to just sit and chat, because, yeah, it had been the first real thing you kind of, everyone had kind of done, being actually away from the club for almost two years at that point, so it was really nice to just kind of sit and speak and just, yeah. Nice.
1: And uh, how did things all dawn for the for the second day? Well, how did that progress in comparison to the first?
6: Um, we, we woke up quite early and uh, everyone kind of made breakfast. I attempted to make a sausage sandwich, it didn't, it didn't go really well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then probably we were off about 8.30 or 8.
3: No, we, we actually we had to leave. It, it, I think, I think that it, what hasn't come out yet is that mm the day is incredibly tidal and i yeah. didn't realize actually how precisely you have to be with the So we had to leave on the first day and half 12 in order to catch the tide going up and the same thing on the way back, we had to catch the tide, So we had to leave by half past seven in the morning. Oh. So you guys actually got up at six o'clock. Yes. So I was just mightily impressed. I didn't have to rattle anybody out of their tent. This <laughs> is very, very underplayed. Yeah, I got up reasonably
1: got <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. laughs> Up
2: before the sun, the sun was rising as we were eating breakfast. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. But you had some sun. Yeah. That sounds good to Yeah. Yeah, how was the weather shaping up for that second day? It was,
6: it was a lot lighter. Yeah. It was there was almost virtually no wind, like a force kind of one to maybe even a zero. But we, um, we got towed the first kind of bit to Nubra. And then by the time we kind of got there, there was kind of enough wind to start just making our way back down to um, Dun- <coughs> We kind of, the first, we, we tried, we had to tow a couple of times, trying to do a different <laughs> attempts because the first one we all kind of got tangled up and there was the kind of where the well, people might crash into each other here and then um kind of happened again and the second time I it really smoothly and we just kind of got off
1: Why was it kind of needed to get put into the tow at that point?
6: Just to make the tide, you didn't want to be get stuck or fight it or something so you just to make, to make time and make sure that we got there on time and not just kind of, just because otherwise we probably wouldn't have made it at all probably, maybe not even to Newburgh or yeah so
1: yeah.
6: Any other notable experiences that day? Um, we got to eat. It <laughs> <laughs> was quite nice. Yeah. We had a. Um, the first bit, it was kind of like we weren't told to sail, it was just kind of hang around. But we had me and Matthew on one side of either side of the boat, just going rocking back and forth, trying to pump as far as we could away. Didn't quite
2: appreciate that, sitting at the
6: back of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
5: And some people were doing the Macarena as well, because oh, yeah. it speaker.
1: <laughs> when it is a bit lighter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Music and entertainment and chat, definitely mm-hmm. the way forward. Um, so I guess I'm intrigued to know um, did it get
4: breezier again at the end of the day? Yeah. yeah.
6: Not like, it wasn't super heavy, but it was definitely, there was definitely quite a bit more wind. Yeah. Enough to properly sail in.
1: Oh, good. Any capsizes on day two? Or? Oh,
6: yeah, there was. A <laughs> There was, um, right at the end, probably about maybe 10 minutes just before we were about to get in, the Baja, I think it was, capsized, mm-hmm. and um, I had to jump out of the boat I was currently in and go and help her get it up and then sail the rest of the way in. I believe it was just like a big gust, just knocked them over.
1: And was that someone cruising single-handed So Yeah, they yeah. had
6: so some, they had someone the first day and then one of the perv people left overnight, so one of the boats had to cruise the whole way back the a single handler. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think they probably appreciated to someone at the end. Yeah. Nice. The wind windows on our
4: headwind again. Yeah. yeah, handily.
1: Was it quite nice kind of having that obviously the three boats with, with you guys from ASYC? Was it nice having the kind of extra boats for the kind of cruising company feel? Yeah. Yeah,
6: it was it was it was really like just a nice to have other people because even if even if the rest of everyone else is away there was quite a few of us so there was always kind of someone near you you could look at see what they're actually doing and how you know you could maybe improve on what they were doing as well so that was great
1: see if someone's sneaking out of the tide or into the tide a bit better that kind of thing yeah or if they ran around (laughs) oh yeah did any of that happen or did any everyone manage to avoid the sandbanks? there
6: was Apart from one, I mean yeah. one <laughs> so there's a few occasions here. You, could,
1: you could start hearing the bottom of the boat grow
4: yeah. and to
2: quickly pull up the daggerboard.
4: I think we unclipped it after a while. Yeah, there the, was we'll a couple kind of
6: stairs so then we just, we just unclipped it so it would just fly up if anything happened.
1: So, did you do much kind of, do you have much in the way of kind of charts and things like that that you looked at before kind of heading or had with you on the boat? Or?
4: We had like a. Um, map. To make like nine sheets of paper in order is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the water you don't want to be searching through, she'd photocopied the chart so we okay. knew where we were. Yeah, It's so um,
2: yeah. quite useful on the way up to the markers on the water to see if we are on the port or starboard mm-hmm. so we didn't run around. It's quite important right. to check
1: which ones we were going past.
5: Yeah.
1: I guess quite nice as well to see progress happening, especially on a tough day like the Saturday, by having those charts kind of "Ah, yeah, we made it to this point. I'm trying. Mm. Cool. How do you all feel, obviously you mentioned that kind of from the Duke of Edinburgh expedition kind of aspect that a lot kind of go on walking expeditions, Um, was there any particular reason why you wanted to do this as as a sailing expedition and anything kind of extra you think it gave you that maybe a walking expedition wouldn't
2: have? It's definitely definitely more fun. I did my bronze walking, and then joined on this expedition the boats, and it's it's more there's so much more to think about. Like when you're walking, you just be looking at a map. Every time you like come to a junction, you don't really talk to the other people. Where you'd have to work as a team when you're in a boat, and you always have to be checking the charts, check where you are, not running around. And a lot more to see. Always got to watch out for the wind and like a lot more wildlife than you would if you're just walking in the rain. Did you get much kind of wildlife that you spotted? Did that yes. kind of change much? and yeah, down the river. birds, saw quite a few seals, which oh, was nice. kind of nice, on the sandbanks in the middle. Yeah.
1: Ooh. How about any of uh, you three that kind of were completing it for your bronze, what, what made you kind of think about that this would be a good, good option?
4: Never ex- sailed for an expedition before. i mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, done a few races. I, I've I only sailed apart from in Stonehaven and Loch of Scheme um, a couple of times in other places so it's really
6: nice to go somewhere else and explore. Yeah, it's, it's really nice going to somewhere where you've, you've never been before and just getting to go around to see how, especially because different clubs do stuff so differently. Yeah. Like you think it's all universal when you're at one club but then you go somewhere else and they've got a completely different way of doing things. And I think that's always really interesting to see.
2: Definitely learn a lot more than you would just walking. Yeah. About yeah. adjusting to it, visiting all the other clubs. It's
5: also quite a unique expedition because it's not really done been done before, so just something different yeah. and enjoyable. Do
1: you think uh, any plans to do something similar for kind of silver expeditions or anywhere else on the cruising bucket list from anyone?
2: That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we've said we'd like to do it again. Both clubs, Dundee and Perth, they all, we all enjoyed it, so, so we might try and do it again next year.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, we certainly got a standing invitation to go back. Absolutely. Oh,
1: yeah.
3: We, yeah. we didn't put them off. Yeah, don't, they didn't hate us. So we yeah. tried. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So does anyone have any kind of particular sort of what were people's standout moments of the trip? anyone got anything in particular that kind of really stood out for them from the whole weekend, is it, that'll be the abiding memory from it?
6: I think the first moment where we first got out onto it and you're like, but well, this is actually now happening. Okay. Like <laughs> it's been so long and we are actually doing it. Yeah. And also going under that first bridge, like, because I'd never been under a bridge before. Yeah. And it sounds really dumb, like, oh, it can't be, but it, it's, it just feels so, you know, it's just, yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but it feels really cool just going under one. Yeah in a boat and then kind of having to react to what happened under the bridges because it's not just like this straight wind, it kind of changes when you're under the bridge and stuff as well. So I really enjoyed that.
2: I also really enjoyed going under the two bridges. It's uh, different to just sailing up the river, you've got to watch out for the gusts and then seeing seals is one of my favourite parts. They're <laughs> all just sitting on a little sandbank watching us in the middle of the river. Helped us spot where the sandbank was. <laughs> the
4: Along with the day itself, which is obviously amazing, and we've talked about that, there was a lot of evenings before where Ditta took us, before lockdown, obviously. Um, we did, there must have been like 20 evenings at Dittis House. It was amazing. That <laughs> it was <not laughs> I felt day, there was a lot. And it was evenings where we did charts and we did learning about the weather and she found a friend who had dry ice and she made a model valley and poured dry ice into it to explain we put how the weather... We put the floor. So tape entire. all over <laughs> her entire kitchen floor. And no, that was couldn't. amazing. And then she continued it through lockdown as well and they we did it online so that was amazing.
1: And do you think that kind of stood you in good stead to understand like the processes of of kind of what goes into kind of planning and thinking about where you might go in yeah. these kind of expeditions?
4: And learning so much. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cool. How are the energy levels from everyone through the weekend? Did it kind of sit as as was it as an easier challenge than you were expecting? More challenging than you were expecting?
6: I think the first day I wasn't I wasn't I was expecting to have lots of breaks and I didn't you didn't get that the first day.
1: Yeah, not much
2: time to grab your food when you're trying to keep the boat flat and have mm-hmm. to capsize. Yeah, you'd have
6: one person. I, I whenever I got off, I'd try go to the front and like unscrew it, but you took some time and then it'd be like no, you've got to get back up on the side now. <laughs> yeah, you've to continue about the capsize. Tap.
4: Uh, because the bank's coming up mm. a lot faster than it's meant to.
2: Definitely slept well the night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It hiking out the whole time.
4: Slept well in the car home as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I guess, um, kind of Ditter, you were setting a lot of this up, um, and you've been quite instrumental in um, getting the guys sat here, involved at things with um, ASYC. Howers, kind of? As linking in with the Duke of Edinburgh pro- programme do you think that's kind of benefited the club and where do you see it all going in the future
3: right okay well we have be doing Duke of Edinburgh bits of it actually for quite a long time so I've been asked probably for about 10 years to sign off for volunteering for skills and for the physical so we can actually do all three of them um, um, by doing that and what has been absolutely fantastic is that a lot of kids who've gone done the junior training programme um, come back and they volunteer their time to do the assistant instructing, so Daniel and Shona did that this year and I've done it, Shona you've done it for quite a few years now um, and that's that's been absolutely fantastic, so really putting back things in the club, helping with the teaching, I think it's actually quite a fun thing to hand on all your knowledge that you've had so that's been really fantastic but also obviously i've been signing off for physical and for skills so we've been doing that in any case for a while and then um, the local secondary school stopped doing the Duke of Edinburgh program and you know there was quite a few sailors here who were very sad they suddenly couldn't do Duke of Edinburgh anymore and one of the mums approached me and said would it be possible for ASYC to be a Duke of Edinburgh centre rather than just signing off for it and I said like, yeah why not absolutely let's go for it so that's really so how we sort of slid into it and um, you know and suddenly became, yeah, became my goodness, we need to do something to you know do some training before it what we're we actually going to do um, as I said I had sort of various ideas of, of a trip I wanted to do that. Brochdy Ferry to Perth um, for quite a long time as you go along it with the train and you see it all over the car and ah, that river just looked always really tempting. Um, so we actually started off by looking at all sorts of different venues with, um, that one could possibly go and sail on um, and I'm actually very glad we did go for for um, Tay in the end. It was partly it was a discussion with, I met the, the Commodore from Dundee Sailing Club, which is the only dinghy cruising club in Scotland, uh, Kirsten Jorna at an RYA meeting, and she said, Oh, come and join us! And that, that's actually how this all started off, really, um, that we decided to really go for it. And in hindsight, I am so, so glad we did that because I had no idea that the tides were so complicated or that the navigation would actually really be quite tricky. Um, and I was extremely grateful that we could do this together with, with Dundee Sailing Club and they were actually really glad to have us along and I think, it all, it, I think everybody benefited from it which was really great and it was wonderful to yeah, get to know some other clubs and see that you know every club has its own idiosyncrasies and it was just wonderful to see that so hopefully we'll do another expedition next year, we'll have to have a think what to do next so for their evening programs, we really worked through the seamanship course, so everybody who did that was just much more than the nine people who could actually go on the expedition in the end. They all got their seamanship for that, and then uh, as part of the expedition, they then got their day sailing, this, uh, the DD Day Sailing Certificate.
1: Yeah, there's a kind of big culture at ASYC of kind of trying to integrate young people into into the club and the activities um to any of the kind of four of you sat here um what is it that's kind of appealed most to you about kind of being involved in kind of sailing within the club any thoughts on that
2: i think what's good is we have junior like novice sailing as well on like saturday mornings and throughout the week which means you can like once you've done lessons you can't always just go straight into racing so it's nice that we have an in-between so you can get more confident and then go race with the adults but they're always welcoming anyway there's not much shouting so you can always go and race with them once you're confident enough It's just lovely
4: and the fact that there's so many other kids like once you get enough mm-hmm. then it's a lot easier for more people to join because you're not kind of alone in the club having so many boats that are so well looked after and they're Toppers and oppies and lasers and laser 2000s and Stratos, and I don't even know what else. There's even a blaze, I think. It's
1: plenty to keep you occupied. Yeah, yeah. You can
4: kind of grow with the club. I've done it for a few years and moved through the boats, and it makes a difference.
2: You know, there's plenty of choice of boats, so if you're like not really liking the boat you've been sailing, you can go and try at different ones, which is great, and go out with other people.
1: I know Lyle, you kind of enjoy, enjoy your racing as well. You've been yeah. kind of doing um, lots of stuff around Scotland, racing Europe too. Um, kind of what's appealed about the kind of what appeals about the racing side and what appeals about the cruising side? Having I mean, now had a bit of a flavour of both.
5: Uh, for the racing side, it's just having like the atmosphere, like everyone's racing against each other, but you still know them, and so you can still talk to them and you know them on the, off the water, but then it's much different on the water. And for the cruising side, it's just nice and relaxing. Well, racing is as well, but it's like full on racing. But cruising just where wherever you want and whatever you want. And what speed you want to go at instead of going fast into the finish line.
1: Yeah, relaxing is definitely a word I think I associate with cruising as well, for sure. And it's, yeah,
4: yeah, space for both. Less
3: well, so for racing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very relaxing the first day, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh, well,
1: thank you guys all very much for your time. It's been kind of really interesting to hear about um, yeah, this expedition, which I think is a first, as far as I'm aware, in, in Scotland. And I, I look forward to hearing about expeditions to come.
0: That's quite an undertaking and adventure for the young people involved. I really like the mix of taking the dinghy sailors and a wider cruising experience of passage planning and factoring in tide times, It really adds a new dimension for their sailing, for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things that really stood out for me was experiences like this, providing an opportunity for young people to grow, the chance to experience new challenges and the value of the interactions between the clubs to the young people in terms of their experience and what they got out of it.
0: Absolutely. They are the future. Uh, and, and this success with developing junior and family membership has now been a big part of what has seen Aberdeen and Stonehaven Yacht Club now shortlisted for the Club of the Year, sponsored by Gallagher and Yachts and Yachting, of course. So get voting, folks. The link will be in the show notes. It's clear young people matter to the club uh, and that there are multiple pathways to allow them to participate and contribute to the sailing that takes place. I mean, it'd be great to see a Scottish club win this award this year. So again, the link for voting is included in the show notes. Just get in there. Go to the link, vote for Aberdeen and Stonehaven Yacht Club.
1: Thanks again for listening. And please, as Mark said, show ASYC some support by voting for the Club of the Year Awards. And for the podcast, hit the subscribe button, give us a like or leave a review if you've enjoyed listening.